That is how we are going to start the Dominique Foxer show. Oh um, we have a great guest, as you just saw there, um, foreign, former R&B singer, apparently, Chris Canty. <laughs> <laughs> and my co-host, Charlie Kravitz. Where do you want to start, Chuck? Um, I think we need to start with the, uh, the hot button issue between the two of you guys. Oh. And that is the ongoing Dak Prescott not really drama, but we're going to make it drama in, in Dallas. And the question, okay, Cowboys are good. Mm-hmm. They've been good for a lot of years with Dak Prescott. But after next year, he'll be a free agent. This team's offense has not been as explosive as it once was with Dak as the quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're going against Kellen Moore on Monday night, his former offensive coordinator, who let him sling the ball down the field. What does Dak Prescott need to do, not just in this game, but for the rest of the season, for the rest of next year, for the Cowboys to want to extend him, to want to keep that $59 million cap hit going forward. Yeah, my my take is is the the least aggressive and fun take. The same stuff he's been doing. Chris is, Chris <laughs> is a little bit more risky than me. It's like... I don't know. I don't know how aggressive we had this conversation in in the hallways at the seaport. And Chris also on his uh, show Unsportsmanlike, this man want to trade all the quarterbacks in the NFL. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, Charlie like it too. All right, Chris. So what what does Dak have to do to save his job in your eyes? Man, there's nothing in the regular season because we've seen him play well in the regular season. It's about what happens once you get into the tournament. Everybody wants to see the Cowboys get to the championship round. That means NFC championship game or better. If Dak Prescott can find a way to get his team in that game or get his team to the Super Bowl, then all of a sudden all the questions go away. But I think the Dallas Cowboys are stuck in this in-between space where they haven't necessarily had the success and there have several players that are getting ready to graduate and are in line for top-of-the-market contracts. CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Parsons, chief among them. We just saw Terrence Steele and Trey Diggs get paid um, going to, uh, in the preseason in training camp. And so I think that has to be the concern for Jerry. How can I keep this young core players together while paying my quarterback top of the market money? And I'll push back on what Charlie said about, you know, Dak Prescott being a free agent after a year. Dak Prescott essentially is in a pre-agent year now mm-hmm. because the Dallas Cowboys have to address his contract. There's no way that he's going to play on a $60 million captain. So this season, it, it's ultimately about Dak proving to ownership that he can be a championship contending quarterback. And to me, that means going on a deep playoffs run. Yeah, I mean, and I, I guess it's fair because football is a team sport and we make these broad uh, assumptions about players based on team production. But, like, I've talked to both of you before about this. My, my contract year – I just got lucky enough to get traded to the Falcons and they just happened to be good. Yeah. And I got paid in part because I was really good on a team that surprised people. But how much of that was me? How much of that was the situation? And I think that's fair to say about Dak also. And there's like one group of quarterbacks. There's a small group of quarterbacks that a lot of quarterbacks pretend like they are, but they aren't. Dak's not in that top group. Mm -hmm. And People will have this expectation that he's supposed to be in that top group. I think he's good enough for them to go deep. The question is, is he good enough to force them to go deep in the playoffs? No. And if you think you're going to find somebody who's that good, you're dead wrong. This is one of the things I find the most interesting about team building in the NFL and how people value quarterbacks. Because there is that group, there's that top six or seven guys who are clearly, I can raise the ceiling of the team and the skill position guys around me. 
And Dak has Six not. Six or seven is high, by the way. But anyway, go ahead. I mean, I can list them. I have them off the top of my head. We don't it need to do not, that. It, it ain't that many. Um, but <laughs> the, the next thing is all of these GMs, there's GM group think of being like, if I have a guy in that next tier, if I have a Dak, Pro, Dak Prescott, a Kirk Cousins, I can't let them go. And my question is why? Because we just saw, and this is the outlier of all outliers, we just saw Seattle say, you know what? See you, Russ. We'll be fine with Geno Smith. And the team got better, and they're paying, you know, one a small fraction of the price that they'd have to pay for that long-term contract. And it doesn't put you in jail for the future of like, I'm stuck with this guy for four and five years and I can't build the rest of my team because isn't the trap just being stuck with someone you don't think can elevate your team? No, I think the trap is the trap that most teams find themselves in is where they are just looking for a starting quarterback. That's the trap. The trap is when the trap is what the bears have been in Mm -hmm. for the last, I don't know, 50 years like where you keep trying to find a guy and you don't have a guy I think that we and it's it's fair we put a lot of attention on the quarterback because they can impact the game more than anyone else however I think that there are ways to build a championship team that are not around uh, a rookie quarterback or quarterback in a rookie deal right and I know like Chris you made some good points I, I won't I won't take your points because we talked in the green room a couple of days ago and you made some points about building a team around a quarterback that I would love to hear you share here yeah well I mean if you look at the last 10 Super Bowls nine of the starting 20 quarterbacks in those Super Bowls were on rookie contracts the, the ones that weren't um you're talking about uh, a combination of Mahomes Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, uh, and I'm talking about Mahomes after he got yeah. paid, and those guys account for eight of those quarterback spots. So you're talking about guys that'll be wearing a gold jacket, yeah. exactly. So the only three, the the other three, are what I would consider the outliers or the tier two quarterbacks who are below, and that's Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And so while I'll agree with Dom that you can build a team around Dak that is a championship contender in theory, I would just say that it's it's much harder to thread that needle than going with the quarterback that's on a rookie deal, which means he's easy going to outperform that if he's good. And then you're talking about a quarterback that is otherworldly, Hall of Fame, tier one, top five, all of the things. So I think those are the easier models in terms of roster construction to get a team that has a chance, a good chance, at getting to the championship rounds to get to the Super Bowl. The Dallas Cowboys are going to have to go that third, go with that third option because I don't think anybody here is saying that Dak Prescott is a tier one quarterback. Right. But I know that Jerry Jones also ain't buying green bananas. <laughs> Jerry's looking for a team to get to the title rounds in the NFL. Right. And I couldn't believe this when I looked this up. The Cowboys have the fifth longest conference championship game drought in the NFL right now. They're with teams like the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, the Washington Commanders, and the Miami Dolphins. That's the company they keep it. So I get the desperation within the organization, and they've tried it for several years with that making top-of-the-market money, drafting well, and putting the team around them. I guess the question becomes, can you win with Dak Prescott at the amount of money that Dak Prescott is going to command. Because even though we don't think he's a tier one quarterback, yeah. he's going to get tier, tier one, one money in his, in his next deal because of the leverage that he has with the cap hit for 2024. Charlie's commanders, ugh, stink. But, um, <laughs> so I, I would challenge you guys to – so there's a couple things. 
I think the idea of moving on from your quarterback if he's not top tier, I understand it, and it's a risk that I would love to see some team take. However, it's not a risk that I would take. But interesting, um, interestingly enough, even though Jerry Jones ain't buying no green bananas, he does own the team. And the reason why I wouldn't take a risk like that is because I know how hard it is to find a quarterback, and I know if I'm a head coach or I'm a general manager, I'm going to get fired because I'm not going to find a, a serviceable quarterback the next time we draft. You have to be able to do it a bunch of times. Jerry Jones owns the team. He's not going to get fired. So technically, he could go and move on from his quarterback and wait till he finds one of these great ones. But I'll challenge you guys both to look at building a roster a different way and take away quarterback on a rookie deal and just put in star on a rookie deal. I think if you look, if you look back at these Super Bowl champions, you also find a lot of really good players on those teams who have to be on a rookie deal. I would say that the point is you just have to find value somewhere. It doesn't have to be a quarterback. And it's hard to do at quarterback. So, yes, if you get a mediocre quarterback at, like, rookie scale money, then you're going to be in good shape. But if you look at who, who um, like when the Bucks won, Tristan Wirth, both of their corners, Davis and Bunting, uh, they had Winfield. These are all guys on rookie deals, so you can afford to pay Tom Brady whatever he wants. Last year with the Chiefs, they got a bunch of defensive guys, McDuffie and Karloftis and Bolton, guys on rookie deals that are producing. So the most of, I think we are quarterback-centric in the way that we talk about roster construction for one reason, because they're so impactful. And but they cost I, so much money. And they cost so much. Well, and see, this is where I would push back on the financial point of it is – their contracts are big, and their cap hits don't have to be big. I looked at all of the top cap hits from this year. Out of the top five, only three of them are quarterbacks. Mm. Out of the top ten, I think – yeah, no, out of the top ten, three are quarterbacks. Wow. Out of the top 20, five are quarterbacks. And we don't go through all these other rosters where these other guys have big cap hits also and say, they can't win. They paying a defensive end too much money. It's just weird to me that we do that. And so – even Russell Wilson, I looked at his. He's he his cap hit was like 17, 22, 35. It gets huge at the end. You ain't gonna win with him at the end when you gotta pay him 65. Yeah. I get that. But the point <laughs> is, part of the 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 misconception about signing someone to a long-term contract is yes, you're gonna have to commit a lot of money to him, but it gives you flexibility. You can make their cap hit smaller. That's mm. why Dak's gonna get a new contract because his cap hit's gonna be too big. So while I understand it's harder when you have a quarterback who you owe a lot of money, you can front load. Like this is where we're gonna make a run. It's like a baseball contract almost, where you're like, all right, I gotta pay a guy a lot of money. <laughs> he gonna be good these first three years. Oh, he gonna stink at the end. But I don't know. It's just the way that I look at it. Yeah, I mean, that, I just think it's like it's an interesting balance of like, because yeah. uh, okay, like. You look at teams that have really succeeded recently, and a lot of them zag when other teams have zigged. They followed the Belichick model, mad, uh, model of trying to find market inefficiencies. Right. Like Howie Roseman's done that via trades. The Chiefs did that by signing right tackles who were excellent, making them left tackles. So right. you had to pay them less. They could go around my home. But just going through the model of super expensive mid-tier quarterback hamstringing the guys you can sign. Like, what are the, cow the Cowboys out right. is what? Mortgaging their future and trading the picks for Devontae Adams so they actually have a number one receiver to support Dak. Like, it just, they're somewhat limited, and they hit a home run with Parsons, but it's like, yeah. would you, you can't expect to do that every time. Chris, would you have, if you're the general manager of the Cowboys, what are you doing? 
<laughs> See, it's, it's different when we're sitting there. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's different when we're sitting there. Again, I have to know what the quarterback is looking for in a contract. If Dak is looking for 55, 56, yeah. $57 million a year, then I think that does you know, change the math in terms of what I would want to do mm-hmm. and the approach that I would take. I, I, I stand by Jerry Jones not making the trip. Jerry Jones doesn't trade for Trey Lance on the eve of the season starting for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, Jerry, there's a lot of things crazy. Is not one of them, yeah. even though he can be quirky sometimes with the math, one plus one equaling three. But I, <laughs> I will say this. The, 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 the move for Trey Lance was not a 2023 move. The move for Trey Lance was, I guess, insurance or a hedge against Dak Prescott asking for something contractually that the organization wasn't comfortable paying. And I, I stand by Trey Lance not necessarily being the heir apparent or the success of the Dak, but just a part of the bridge to get to whatever the long-term option is at quarterback. So I don't think it's off the table that the Cowboys could trade Dak for a first-round pick plus next offseason and, and be in the market for a draft in a quarterback. All right, I disagree with you on the trade Dak idea, but I understand the philosophy on it. But there's one quarterback that I think you could sell me on trading. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! Splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. What you doing with Justin Fields in Chicago? Oh my god. I love this. <laughs> I remember we're so do, we're doing oh all the different gosh. types of quarterbacks today. This is this yeah, is I mean it's the same situation, just oh, with less man. success. Oh, like Justin Fields the okay, same. Okay, okay, okay. So here's 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 my here's my here's my spiel on Justice Justin Fields. I think Justin Fields can be a good quarterback in the NFL. I do. I think he can be a quality starter. I think he has the potential to win a lot of games. But as Bill Parcells used to say, potential just means you haven't done it yet. And the inconsistency that we've seen from Fields across the 30 starts would give me a lot of pause if I'm a team like the Chicago Bears that's going to be faced with the prospects of having multiple top five picks and potentially the number one overall pick in a quarterback-rich draft that features a generational talent like Caleb Williams at USC. So if you're the Chicago Bears organization, ask yourself this. Is there anything that we have seen or could see over the next 12 games that could justify the opportunity cost of hanging on to field and passing on the quarterbacks that come out this year in 2024, but also the quarterbacks that came out last year in 2023. The answer to that would have to be no. And so that's why I would entertain the idea of trading 
Justin Fields sooner rather than later? Yeah, I, I the answer is hell no to me. <laughs> like, if I guess it depends on what pick you get. If yeah. Caleb's available, then you move on from just about any quarterback in football because I think that you have a shot at a Mahomes-like player. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you definitely make that move, and then you're in your championship window for the next four to five seasons, at least maybe six or seven, and maybe you can prolong it the way that Mahomes has. But you have to take that shot. But you could still ruin it around him. It scares me, the idea of – Caleb going to Chicago because Chicago, if if nothing, they have definitely ruined a lot of quarterbacks up there, and Justin Fields <laughs> might might fit into that that category. So yeah, I I don't know that there's a huge market for Justin Fields, but if I could well, get off of him, I understand the reason for doing it. So you know, Carolina traded for Sam Darnold and they gave a second round pick for him, and Sam Darnold had a disaster with the Jets beforehand. So like, is an Atlanta a run heavy team? Are they someone who would be willing to invest, give a shot? to Justin Fields because they're stuck with Desmond Ritter. I mean, the disaster in this is if you don't get a Caleb Williams because Justin Fields is, he's sort of a basement or penthouse quarterback. He's either going to play great or terribly for you in a given week and win a couple too many games. You don't get it even though you have the Panthers pick and then you've missed out on CJ Stroud and the chance at a Caleb Williams type pick. Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen because of Chicago. Go ahead, Chris. Well, there's a third quarterback in there. I mean, Drake May is pretty damn good. Like, he's really good. Yeah. Like, I was talking with Jordan Reed earlier this week, and I was asking him just, you know, for the hypothetical of comparing Drake May to Justin Fields, and he said it's not even close. Wow. Like, right now, it's not close. It's Drake May by a country mile in terms of what he projects to be at the NFL versus what we've seen from Justin Fields. Now, I get it. We don't know until we see a guy in an NFL uniform, but if you're the Chicago Bears, you've got the Carolina Panthers pick, they don't look like they're going to win a game anytime soon. <laughs> and you've got your own pick, and we'll see what happens with your season the rest of the way. But I, I'd struggle to believe that you wouldn't have an opportunity to draft one of those two guys. And that's why I get a little bit nervous about the Justin Fields proposition and what would happen the rest of the season. That could devalue him on the trade market in the offseason. So I think that's where... Uh, I would lean toward moving away from Justin Fields sooner rather than later. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to, ex- even if they don't have another quarterback, I don't see them extending Justin Fields. Like, I, I, the fifth-year option is probably going to happen, but anything beyond that, like, they're not going to, Justin Fields not going to be their long-term answer there. He hasn't shown enough, I would think, unless we he turns it around, he plays like he did the last couple weeks for the rest of the season. When we're talking about something different, I still don't extend him considering the quarterback class that's coming out. Well, here's the thing. Now is the time in three games to trade him. There's the, the schedule, Vikings, Raiders, Chargers. If there's ever a time for him to rattle off a couple more games and have his value at his all-time high, this is the stretch. But I mean, I, if they trade him, it's going to be an offseason. It's I, Why? I get that because nobody trades their starting quarterback in season. Has it ever happened before? It's not going to. happen It goes now. back, but like, but they should. Okay, they should exactly. They but should. Who, who who's going to take him? Like the 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 time you would have a value for a quarterback is because someone who thinks they're on the doorstep of a championship loses their quarterback. That's when your quarterback will be valued. No matter how good Justin Fields plays right now, nobody's gonna be like, oh, let me throw you a second rounder for your starting quarterback, and then the Bears are just gonna be like, all right, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo got traded midseason. Where was he? From New, New England, England to, to, San to San Francisco. Right. Francisco. Who, and who was the starting quarterback? Tom Brady. Yeah. Exactly. That's my point. The, the starting quarterback is not getting traded in season. They traded Jimmy Garoppolo because Tom Brady was annoyed. Now, I don't even know who Justin Fields' backup is, but I don't think he got Tom uh, Brady power. Bajan. 
Beijing. Oh, that's right. The Kirk Cousins trade. The Kirk Cousins trade is about to happen now because Dom said yeah, that's happen. I know. I Never. did. Y'all going to I'm, I'm, I'm I'm clip it and put it in my face. <laughs> I'm, wait, I'm waiting on yeah. that. Oh, man. All right. The, the Lions. So yeah. they have a quarterback situation that I think is interesting that um, I, I was going to save this to dunk on you, Charlie, but I'll just kick it off off the top. You, I know you think the Lions are like the third best team in NFC. Yeah, I do. And you think Jared Goff is a good enough quarterback. I think he is at the bottom of that mediocre tier, but it's a franchise that's been so bereft of success over, over the last few years. And they have a good offensive coordinator where he's elevated Goff to a point that I think it's an interesting decision they have to make. Jared Goff's cap hit is in the top five of people. Mm-hmm. So, oh, no, if they wanted to move off them, I'm not no, going to no, fight I'm, it. I'm just making the point yeah. that you can overpay yeah. a mediocre quarterback and have a successful team. Anyway, I don't know what the question by, is. By the way, I Carson Palmer also was traded after threatening to retire when he was starting quarterback. That, that, that was off-season. <laughs> in-season. No, I don't know. It was in-season. Hey, well, if, when people start doing drastic things like threatening to retire, you bringing up these examples that aren't real examples. Because... Uh, yeah, Garoppolo wasn't the starter, and and Palmer wasn't even showing up. He wasn't their starting quarterback because he wasn't showing up. You can't call him a starting quarterback if he don't show up. You talk about trading somebody <laughs> off the field. He was at home. Just take this L. Take this L, Charlie. I don't even know what the question is. Chris, say something smart and save Charlie from this stupidity. <laughs> Man, I, I'm with Charlie on this with the Detroit Lions. Like, I, I, I trust the consistency of the Lions, but I don't know how good their top end is. Yeah. I don't know how good their best is in comparison to the 49ers and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. I think they're in that tier of, court, uh, of teams with the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seattle Seahawks. They're, they're in that right. range. I, I, I don't know that any of them have distinguished themselves enough where we can say they're clear-cut head and shoulders above the other. So I'm in wait-and-see mode. They got a lot of pieces that I like, and Jared Goff has played well. Now, I – I'm not jumping out of the window yeah. like some people, like Dan Orlovsky <laughs> called him a, a top five quarterback on first take. And I looked around the table just and everybody said, are y'all going to let that ride? <laughs> Jerry Goff, the top five quarterback. I see but, you, Dan. But, you know how to make TV, Dan. Say, say ridiculous stuff. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's playing well. And so <laughs> I, I think that's the thing that people, people are holding on to because it's been so long. And then the other thing is, through the first five games, the Detroit Lions, have the largest division lead of any division mm-hmm. leader in the NFL. They're they two and a half games, and it doesn't look like there's anybody relatively close. Green Bay Packers, yeah. they're they're mad because it's the first year Jordan Love starting. The the Minnesota Vikings, the Chicago Bears, is self-explanatory. So they're going to run away with the division. So the Detroit Lions is the team today that I think should be very aggressive in how they handle the next several weeks before the trade deadline. They should be looking to buy. They should be looking to add. Because they have a team that's going to host our own playoff game. Now it should be about putting the pieces around the quarterback and around uh, the margins in order to go on a deep playoff run. Um, I know I said earlier that the quarterback centrism of sports media is a problem, but I want to talk more about Jared Goff. Because he's <laughs> such an interesting example when we talk about 12 and 3 in his last 15 games. Yeah, when we talk about quarterbacks, and I always say how the context around the quarterback matters than the, more than the quarterback. And Jared Goff is such an example of that. Mm-hmm. But, like, at first, he's the worst quarterback we ever seen his rookie we, year. We overacted both ways today, yeah. every time. Then he got Sean McVay, and we're like, oh, this guy's an MVP conversation. Then he's bad again, and they trade. They have to give a pick to get him to leave. And now, <laughs> then and then he's bad in, in Detroit, and then they go and get Ben Johnson, and now he's good again. Like, if, if we ever wanted 
evidence that we should stop focusing on the quarterback and think about all the things around them more, this is it. They got a good offensive line and a smart offensive coordinator. You get that, you can find a mediocre quarterback and have a good team. They also they also drafted to support the concept of like we're going to support this guy. Right. Sewell, Amonra, Jonah Jackson, uh, Gibbs, Laporta. They're yeah, trying. Gotta, to, they, I mean, but that, they, these are guys they haven't paid yet that right. are supporting a, that's, a high. You know. That's that goes back to my first point: yeah. is you got to hit in the draft. If you hit in the draft on a quarterback, woohoo! That's great. But in order to win the championship, it seems like that's the one thing that's consistent. All these championship teams is that somebody, two, three people, are in their rookie deal. They are out there giving you Pro Bowl level production or at least high end starter level production for pennies. And that is how you are going to win in this league. If it's a quarterback, then you're in the Super Bowl. Yeah. If your quarterback can produce on a rookie scale deal, then you're probably going to get close to the Super Bowl unless you're the Chargers and and you charge. <laughs> but it also it also helps to have multiple first round draft yeah. picks in consecutive years. Yeah. Yeah. That part. Yeah. That part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that really helps to support your quarterback. And and to hit on those <laughs> hit on those picks. Like, yeah. Penesul is is that well they paid him now, but like he's definitely a hit. Didn't they pay Penesul? Not yet. No. No, not they yet. Still, not yet. He they still, still on the cheap. They still stealing from my man cheap. Pene. <laughs> Get that man his money. I'm on raw. Yeah, they they getting him on the cheap. Yep. Um, but I think so the the Lions is an interesting thing for the quarterback. So let's assume that they want to do something about the quarterback. They are I respect the way that they're building this team. They aren't bottoming out. They're trying to be good, and they've already done that, but they haven't found their quarterback yet. They're going to be an interesting position. They're going to be one of those teams, which we've seen work in recent years with Tom Brady and with the Rams, one of those teams, if we assume that Jared Goff isn't a long-term answer, they're going to be one of those teams that's a quarterback away, which is a good place to be in, and maybe they can find that quarterback but do we think it's Jared Goff because that's that's I think that's the hard thing that I have with this conversation is the way that we talk about Dak Prescott why and maybe it's because the Lions have been bad for so long but we don't talk about the ceiling on the Lions being Jared Goff in the way that we do Dak Prescott and other quarterbacks do we I think because we didn't have them as a Super Bowl favorite for the year like in like after after week three you know, ESPN had the Cowboy Super Bowl parade planned, which is very different than Lions. <laughs> Chris, do you see them as destined for this like uh, purgatory that the Cowboys have been in? Do you see the Lions as being like a good team for the next, I don't know, six, seven years, but never quite getting over the hump because they can't find the right person under center? No, I don't think. No, because I don't think they have any illusions about what their quarterback is. Right. Like the Lions know who they are, and they know who they are, and in credit to their GM Brad Holmes for understanding how to build the roster and understanding what Jared Goff is. Like, they're planning for the future at quarterback. I mean, they drafted Hendon Hooker, a guy that could have been a late first and second round pick had he not had the ACL injury. But I I look at the Lions as a team that can win now, like in terms of getting to the playoffs, win a playoff game in the wild card round, and then we'll see what happens. But their their window is just now opening up. And so I, I think they'll have a lot of flexibility in terms of what their choices will be at quarterback, just depending on how everything goes. Yeah, I feel like I'm playing both sides because I don't really know what the answer is because yeah. I'm, I'm both saying that you can build a championship contender with a mediocre quarterback and saying that the Lions uh, are going to be too good to get a top quarterback, but also not quite good enough. But, I mean, it's a single elimination tournament. If anybody knows this – Chris Canty knows this, is that a team can get in to the tournament and get hot and get one. <laughs> get your one. 
Yeah, the only Super Bowl champion that didn't win double-digit games. Mm. Shout out to the 2011 New York Giants. Woo. Yeah, I mean, it can happen. Here's the thing, Dom. We lost four straight games in that season. Four straight. Oh. We knew four straight at any point. They talking about firing coaches. Everybody. I mean, players think about shipping cars home. It, it, all of the things. <laughs> and the fact that we were able to win the last two games, get in, and then just run roughshod over, over the NFC playoff field and get to the Super Bowl, I mean, it just shows you that anything can happen, and it's a long season, and you have to let all of this stuff play out. So a team like Detroit that's building yeah. with a lot of young players, they don't know that they're not supposed to be able to win a championship as early as they are with their program building. So, again, physically tough. We'll see what happens. All good. I appreciate you, Chris Canty. Thanks for joining us. This has been fun. Let's go on to Roses and Thorns. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. He's so good! How has Dominique been lately? Bad or good? Let's find out. This is Roses and Thorns. My favorite person, your favorite segment, Roses and Thorns, with my wife, Ashley Fox. Hey, bud. All right, Serafina, what are we talking about today? Oh, that was quick. He's <laughs> like he doesn't want to talk to me. <laughs> no, it's not. I just keep it moving. Keep it moving. We, the... we don't give the listeners a chance to turn it off. We got to keep it going. Something good. Something's okay, coming. Coming, 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 coming. Well, coming. Um, that note, yeah. we're talking about social media today. I heard through the grapevine the kids are banned from YouTube. So we're going to get into that situation first and then segue to talk about social media perception online in general. Ironically, I think the grapevine through which she heard this is social media, like me posting about our kids being banned from not social media because they don't have social media anyway, but YouTube. So, yes. Yeah, they I mean, it was funny because you had to time it up for when I would be most available to participate in the because they need entertainment. So I had this idea where I was like, this is ridiculous. Our kids. The problem is they just love YouTube like um. They're obsessed with YouTube, YouTube kids for our seven year old and then for our 12 year old and 10 year old, like regular YouTube, but with children's filters, like like in a lot of shorts and we have filters. So we're not like fully irresponsibly parenting, but even with the filters, it's just how much they watch them. And you wonder about the sources. And I think sometimes even see things that are inappropriate. Yeah, sometimes you do, which I, I don't mind the inappropriate stuff nearly as much as the like, I felt like I noticed that they there was like some insidious like misogyny like uh misogyny for kids like seeping into Declan's uh algorithm somehow and that was like my thing I mean and even just like the stuff our seven-year-old Emmy would watch would be like and and to a slightly more mature degree our 12-year-old like stuff where it's like 
let's do makeup tutorials like yeah. little kids like little kids yeah. with their hair perfectly laid and like which is it's not our life and like I don't want her to like dancing like she might have my rhythm she may never be able to dance but even if she doesn't have my rhythm and can dance like I don't need her learning these dances at seven right so like in that stuff that's in the kids algorithm but she'll get in the car from school like when I see her in the carpool line she already is watching YouTube on her phone while it's she's waiting addictive. outside with her friends and the kids the little two will come home and just hop right on also that's the thing is like I recognize it me and I'll lose I'll see like hey I got five minutes let me see what's funny on TikTok next thing I know it's 30 minutes later and I haven't been swiping so like it's addictive and for and I don't kids, even have TikTok I just have Instagram and it happens to me oh yeah you're on Instagram all the time but did I, I ever say all the time did I ever tell you about the time I was riding bikes with Declan and we stopped we were going to Dequell's house we stopped up in front of De in, in front of Dequell's house and Declan like told me a joke that definitely sounded like he got it yes. straight from YouTube and he was like uh you ever think it's funny that you can ask a, a guy how much he weighs, but you can't ask a woman how much he weighs? And like, I gave him the, the chuckle that he was looking for. But I was like, do you really want the answer to that? Because what hit me was like, yeah, this is like a little joke that would only be funny to kids. It was not funny to adults. And I was like, well, I get it. It's funny. Yeah, you can't. But do you want to know the context behind it? I think he bit off more than he could chew as a 10-year-old. So I went in to explain to him how, like, if daddy says the N-word, it sounds different than if our white neighbor says the N-word. Or if you, if Avery wants to touch her friend's, her white friend's hair, it's different than if his, her white. I was just saying, well, like, I discourage it. You never was, know what's in there. Either way. But I was just JK, saying LOL. that there is context to everything. And Declan yeah. was looking at me like I was crazy. But I felt like it was, like, my responsibility to not let this, because... It might sound crazy, but I think if you let little seeds like that, and it made me think, and I'm glad you had the YouTube band, because it made me think, how many other things well, are they getting uh, like exposed to that we don't want them exposed where to? Where I used to notice that more even was, um, he's a little less into it now, but my son has always loved, like like all, like all a lot of little boys. First, it was like construction workers yeah. when he was really little. And you can just go get his birthday parties over the years <laughs> to see. And then it was like police officers and fire truck, you know, EMTs. And then there was like a lot of years, like from kindergarten to like fourth grade where, and honestly, it might be popping back in, where he loved like military stuff. And so the cool thing about that is like he really, there's this series of books called like Nathaniel Hale yeah, something. Right. And then there's another one called I Survived that he loves those books. He can read those books all night. Um, the Nathaniel Hale ones, unfortunately, he still does like to go back to or, or not unfortunately, but he goes back to them and now is reading them like his like 20th time over. But they're about wars and conflicts oftentimes. And so he likes them from a historical perspective, but also just really, really like is into them and so he would look up a lot of videos about wars and initially it might just be like history of you know right. the vietnam war so he would always know these interesting facts and for again with the children's filter so for children but eventually it would like there's like a slippery slope right yeah. where he's like into some stuff that feels like it's indoctrinating him to be at like the january 6th riots <laughs> like and so so i don't know so that was the first place that i noticed that but yeah i just was tired of it last week he yeah. was in new york how'd they do i think that's an interesting question or so, I was away for part yeah. of it because I had to work. No, you weren't. I mean, you weren't. We had floated the idea, Dominique and I, like over the weekend before he left last week. And I was like, I mean, they just need a ban. Like, they, we just need to cut it off. And I can control from my phone, like all of their devices, like just block YouTube.com, YouTubeKids.com. And so we were somewhere eating. And I just, and like, 
they were happy. And I was like, FYI, like soon. And I guess it was like, I wasn't saying tonight we're going to yeah. start this band. But I was like, when daddy gets home, we're going to start this band. And I was expecting, like I texted you. I was like, oh my God, they're not. So again, I'm like talking about how we're not using our phones that much. I was like, I got to text daddy real quick <laughs> to tell him. Um, they weren't that opposed to it. Yeah. And they did fine. Like I realized, I'm like, y'all did fine. Like, yeah. and you can have back. And still some of the things that we want to see corrected weren't, not that we yeah. thought would correct it, but certain things like week. our kids aren't perfect. No kids are perfect. Exactly. Right. And so now I'm like, you know, what we can incentivize they can earn their YouTube time back like incentivizing them to act or not act you know in certain ways yeah, mostly so. take care of the responsibilities but when is the point that you would be comfortable with like a completely unlocked phone or unfettered access to the internet like I'm tempted I, I sound crazy but I'm like I mean could we keep him like kind of locked until like college like like 18 basically but what about you what do you think with the girls in social media he I'm, judges I'm, social media a lot um i don't it's not even about that yeah you can be fair about judging social media and then i guess we could talk about whether uh we need our own restrictions on these things but i am generally more strict than you and you are the primary parent stay-at-home mom so Anything that you would be comfortable with as far as restrictions, I definitely would be comfortable with. I'm fine with them not having screens at all. I'm fine with all that. I understand that it makes it harder for both of us, but mostly harder for you. That's but I also question. understand that you could go too far in that direction and like raise some kids who I don't know with the who, who have no technological savvy and get scammed their first day in college. My question, though, is for your daughters, particularly mm -hmm. not Declan, when will you let them have TikTok? Instagram. When you will let them no, have No, no, no. It's, right. it's fully up to you. you okay, if it's fully up to me, <sighs> hmm. I mean, I think high school is probably TikTok and Instagram, obviously. Uh, with, so Avery's two years away from that. Yeah, with um, access, with us having access to uh, their things. And I think the different kids, diff different things for different kids. Like Avery is someone that I feel like would be a little bit more cautious on there, but still we would be able to. Also, I think still like so affected. So like one thing we see with our 12 year old and I think it's not unique to her. I think a lot of them are. But like actually last night I said, Avery, can I have one of your pimple patches? She has pimple patches. She yeah. has full skincare routines. I like that's a result. She, I see her wanting to play with makeup and like my makeup. And it's obvious because she doesn't rub it in or blend it half the time. I don't do a good job, but she's 12. Like and I, no one's told her how to do makeup. I've told her she can have some like. So what good is social media? And don't they got I tutorials can't. on there? She can't learn. What is, what is <laughs> she, she on there? What is she on there? Why? Um, it all the time. But that's another issue entirely. So especially during this period where they've had less access to technology, I'm like me and Dominique should maybe too. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, you're. I don't have any problem with it. Like I've really curtailed, probably a detriment to my career, my, <laughs> my access to social media. I make this joke with a lot of my male friends and I'll ask them to see their like Explorer page. And I'm pretty proud of the way I've trained my algorithm. What's on your Explorer page? Oh, I, I've trained it to have no traps on it. I think it's unhealthy. I can't. I, I, there was a time when you see like obvious thirst traps and you click it and you stay on it for a little long. I never like them because like, why do you need to like somebody else's thirst trap or like, uh, like complex. He doesn't like hardly any of my pictures. Don't, don't be offended. Like thirst trappers. But he I mean like com not complex like will put out like people, women in bikinis or there's like some big booty something floating around and I swipe past it fast. And he loves fast. a big booty. I swipe past it fast because I don't need that. I feel like when I open it up and they serve you the things that they know that you want, 
like it can't be good or healthy. I feel like the same way for like a teenage girl. It's like, it's not good for me to see like these airbrushed perfect bodies every day of my life. It's and just then come unhealthy. home to me. Mostly it's desserts on my Explorer page. So guys, my body doesn't look airbrushed or perfect. It's, like it's not it even is a, what it is. It's not everything's not about you. It's just about being like it's not a healthy way to well, go through life. I can life. see a reason that it's a little bit about me, but okay. it's not. It's actually not about you at all. It's just like I mean, it's about you to some degree, but it's not really about you. It's just like I don't think that as much as I would like to look at those pictures all the time. I don't think it's good for me. Well, that's like, good. I'm proud I don't of think you. it's good for me, my mental health, to oh, open up Instagram and it just just jiggly all the time. Just yeah. another this swipe another. <laughs> swipe another. And he literally like. What's funny to me is sometimes when I see like my like occasionally I'll come across someone's like thirst trap picture and of females and I see my like married friends and family like liking it and then I notice they liked all of them I'm like well I'm glad my husband's not liking it he might be looking but he's not liking them he's a lurker. Um, <laughs> I would, if I would get, what's the benefit of liking those? You just look weird yeah, to yeah, me. Like know. you can like them, you don't have to physically you can like them in your body. Yeah, <laughs> I was go gonna say your heart, but in your whole body. Yes. Um, okay, but I have a question though. So about a year ago or so, it's crazy we've been doing this for a year. I remember complaining on here, like, you're on social media more now and you just act like you don't have a life on social media, which, again, it's not like he's trying to be up in people's thirst straps. But so at one point he, like, posted, and it wasn't even the best picture of me. He's like, I have a wife. Literally the post might have said, like, I have a wife, um, just to appease me, but also, like, kind of, like, annoy me. Um, and so good job with that. But I would say since that time you started sometimes in spurts using it a little bit more. Um I yesterday heard about like the Jada Pinkett Smith thing, uh -oh. how like her and Will have been together for seven years, which is their business to not share. Right. Like, but at the same time, like you literally are hosting a show and like you're you're very intentionally kind of putting out to the public that you right. are together while for seven years you haven't been together. And so and then I also heard a podcast recently, um, Lovers and Friends, I think, um, by what is it? Um, Nina Westbrook. Shan Boudram, oh, um, Nina Westbrook was a guest, but I didn't even get to her part. But she was talking about how like before in relationships, you didn't really think about how social perception or social, the social perception of a lasting long term relationship wasn't like an important factor in that relationship. Mm. But now it is. Um, so how do you think? Do you think we accurately or fairly represent ourselves like here and then on social media? Yeah, I mean, I think the perception, if there is a perception of our relationship, people who are co close enough to us, like understand what it is and and understand that social media is not an accurate depiction of it. I don't know. People I actually think my social media is a very accurate depiction. And okay. I think this is too. I don't, I don't watch your social media. So yeah, I don't no, he know. does. He doesn't look at it at all. Like I tag him and stuff sometimes just to be like, hey, look, um, right. look at it's the kids also, today. It's like, he doesn't look. I've, I've gotten used to it over the years, but it's also kind of annoying that other people know because you're a lot more of a sharer than I am. Yeah, other people that's why know, I think mine is so accurate. Oh, yeah. No, and other could. people know things about me that I would not have told them or things about my life mm -hmm. that I would not have told them. So then people come up to me and I was like, oh, getting renovations in your house. Like, I don't know you. You don't know what my house look like. Oh, follow your wife on Instagram. Like, all right. Are you ready for a mailbag question? Yeah, I have one too. Go ahead. Uh, who's the better driver? Me. Yeah, hands down. I think hands you're, down. A, a, you're a better parallel parker, hands down. Better parallel parker. Um, you are. That's true. You have less accidents in your history, which would suggest that's also that you're true. A better driver. I also get places quicker and have less accidents. Uh, also true. Not true. Not true. Also true. You he know, like I call it ambition. It's the one place I have ambition is in my driving. I'm like, I hate when people are 
not ambitious drivers. You're not an ambitious driver. You take your time. You're not an ambitious driver. I'm not an ambitious driver. I'm not an ambitious driver if I'm putting makeup on or if I'm like texting. Which you never do while you're driving. Never. <laughs> Posting on Instagram, never. But otherwise, I don't want to waste time in the car. Yeah, you're not taking no risky maneuvers. I'm the queen of U-turns. Ask anyone who's U-turns not a risky maneuver. You're not dipping and dodging in and out of traffic. I don't do it with the kids in the car. Maybe you don't get to experience my greatest driving prowess because I'm safer. Do you guys have any interesting nicknames for each other? (laughs) (laughs) So in college, everyone on campus, and I'm really nostalgic right now. It's Maryland's homecoming. I'm wearing a little bit of red right now because I'm headed to Maryland for something after this. Everyone in college, like not everyone, but guys, particularly black guys who like who did not know my name, but they would call me Pocahontas. And it was like offensive, like to me, like yeah, it's terribly offensive it's to awful. Pocahontas too. And I was like, who exactly well, that's rude. But no, I, just I mean, was you're not you're not Native American. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. Like I don't have so any like, like a, some black people are like I'm part Native American. I'm not. Um and so I didn't know where this started. And it was so offensive to me. And once I, like for years, like multiple years of college, like this is what I'm called. And I would like be like, people would be like, hey, Pocahontas. I would like be like, my name is not Pocahontas. And I'm not Native American. I'm black. And da 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 da. And it turned out, once I started dating Dominique, I discovered who started that nickname that like haunted me for three years of college or four years even. And it was this man. And somehow I still love him and am married to him all these later. And he's never once called me Pocahontas. All right. Thank you, Ashley, for joining us. Thank you, Charlie. And thank you, Chris Canty, for being a guest. And of course, thank you to all the great producers, Serafina, Charlie, Kevin, Brian, Megan, and Ethan. Congratulations on the new job. See you later, buddy. Oh, yay. Ethan's going to Cleveland. What? Oh, and thank Podville for this beautiful studio. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show.